Last night was a bummer for Pittsburgh sports. It's a bummer, man. The Pirates are just about officially out of the National League wildcard race. Back to 500 and five and a half games out of that last wildcard spot. They are five and nine since those two big trades, so the adrenaline from that dissipated pretty quick. So the Pirates are screwed. They're donezo. And then you got that Steeler defense. The saran wrap curtain is back. Yikes. Green Bay was running up and down the field practically unimpeded. If the Steelers have the best offense in the league, but also have one of the worst defensive units, what's that going to add up to? Not a Super Bowl and maybe not even a playoff berth. Last night was a real bummer. Optimism lie bleeding in our hands. Yo, Pirates. Yo, Steeler defense. Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing Cont on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Let's look at this from a slightly more optimistic viewpoint, which is a bunch of BS, but it's a long three hours. What did you like about the Steelers game last night? You couldn't like either quarterback. When each quarterback, Rudolph and Dobbs, when each throws a pick six on his first pass of each half, that eliminates anything they do afterwards from converting their night to a good one. I thought James Washington did well. Got the five catches, two touchdowns, got the one real great, what's Tomlin call it? A battle catch? Got that battle catch for that touchdown. Just ripped the ball out the defender's hands with his hands, which Mark Cavalli wrote today in The Athletic, are made strong from bailing hay back home on the family font. Cavalli asked Washington why his family didn't use a mechanical hay baler. He said they couldn't afford it. Are there still farms where hay gets bailed? Wow. So I thought James Washington had a good night. Uh, I thought the little bit we saw of Javon Hargrave, he had a good night. Daniel McCuller, too. Again, with Terrell Edmonds, he's always around the ball. A couple times, unfortunately, the ball was in the hands of a Green Bay player in the end zone. But he made some plays, got a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, made a good play on special teams. A lot of other times, he was pert near but not plumb, and as a rookie, you got to think he'll get there. you got to think his instincts are pretty good for a rookie in the National Football League. So I like Terrell Edmonds. And uh, James Conner had a pretty good night. James Conner trying to make a case for himself as the successor to Le'Veon Bell once Le'Veon Bell is somewhere else next year. Can he really do that? I don't know. For me, he couldn't. I'll tell you the best I think that James Conner could be for the Steelers. I think the best James Conner could be, once Bell leaves, is a number two back who gets a lot of snaps and a lot of carries. 
who maybe splits the running load with whoever it is they draft to replace Bell, 70-30 or 60-40. That would be a long way from running the top back till the wheels fall off like Mike Tomlin has long preferred. But uh, that's the best I can hope for on behalf of James Conner, who, again, had a good night last night. Five carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Samuels was good, too. Nine carries for 38 yards. Mason Rudolph just didn't look good. Threw the pick six right away. Rebounded after that to play better, but how could you not play better after you serve up a pick six on your first pass? The only way to play worse is to keep serving up pick sixes. But, uh... Rudolph was 5 for 12, just 47 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and that should put to rest the notion that he could be a number two quarterback. Josh Dobbs was good, 12 for 18, 192 yards, two touchdowns, but that was against Green Bay's second, third, fourth, fifth string. He's not a backup quarterback in the league. Just isn't. He's not even going to be a quarterback on the Steelers uh, once the final cuts come through, so... One thing that Joshua Dobbs and Mason Rudolph did last night, and it probably didn't sink in for many of you, but it definitely sunk in for me. It made me appreciate Landry Jones. Because Landry Jones has started games in the league, five to be specific. He's played 18 games in the league. And there's a recognition factor with Landry Jones. There's a system factor with Landry Jones. There's an experience factor with Landry Jones. Landry Jones doesn't make the mistakes that the two young quarterbacks made last night. And make no mistake, no matter what happens, barring injury, Landry Jones is the Steelers' number two quarterback. Let's go to Bill on the Hill. You're on with Mark. Mark? Bill? Hey, uh, I was just calling on, uh, did you happen to hear about Landry's injury and that's why he wasn't playing last night? No, I, I didn't hear Landry Jones was injured. What do you uh, know that uh, the assembled media covering the Steelers on a daily basis somehow has let slip past them? Yeah. Well, uh, my brother, he's a uh, doctor down at UPMC, and he told me that... Uh, first, off, I do, first off, I don't believe for a second your brother's a doctor of anything. Well, uh, not at UPMC, not a veterinary medicine, not a playground nickname like Dr. J. I don't believe your brother's a doctor. But tell me what your brother the doctor heard. Well, he didn't hear nothing. He uh, he told me that one of the doctors told him directly that uh, Landry Jones came in with CTE symptoms and he had CTE. Okay, now here's the problem with that. You can't diagnose CTE on a living person. So are you telling us that Landry Jones is dead? Because that would be very upsetting. No, I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Okay, I'm going to go really slowly this time. Because you're an idiot. And your brother's not a doctor. And your whole family is idiots. And those people in the background are idiots. You can't diagnose CTE on a living person. Ergo, Landry Jones could not have been diagnosed with it. Do you understand? Is any of this sinking in? I mean, I understand your point, but the doctors... No, 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 it's it's not a point. Okay, the point is, you don't know any doctors. Your brother's not a doctor. What does your brother really do? 
I bet he sweeps up dog dirt in the streets. Am I right? Uh, no, sir. He's a doctor. No, no, no. no let, let me tell you something. If you're as stupid as you are and sapped and your brother's a doctor, then one of you got knocked up by the mailman or perhaps a visiting emergency medical services guy. Ergo, the oh, doctor no, thing. No, 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 bro, bro. You, you just called and said stupid stuff, and I called you out on it, and now I'm insulting you, and it sounds like you're dumb, too dumb to know you're even being insulted, but thank you for a very entertaining afternoon. Going to be a tough act to follow, but up next, from the River Hunts, it's Coach Bob Lilly here on 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, Big Sexy? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Because I know more about announcing than any man alive. The X at 105.9. The Pittsburgh River Hunts are at home tomorrow night. Highmark Stadium against Charlotte. They're in second place in the USL's Eastern Division, and they bring a three-game winning streak into the match. Joining me now from the River Hunts, my pleasure to talk to Coach Bob Lilly. Uh, Bob, like I said, the River Hounds are on a three-game win streak, and that's after having lost a couple games in a row. It, it, it must make you pretty happy to stare down a bad patch and get the season back on track. Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. Uh, the two losses, we had only lost once up to that point. So, you know, we, we kind of had a great performance against Charleston, gave away uh, a late goal, and, and, uh, and then – Similarly, in North Carolina, it was 1-1 late. Uh, didn't play as well as Charleston and, and, and gave up another late goal, which isn't typically like us. I think it uh, refocused us a little bit. Uh, you know, we had Richmond and Toronto, which were certainly winnable games at home for us that uh, I wouldn't say we played great, but you know, we did what was necessary and were able to close out those games successfully. And, you know, but we're coming off a very good performance last weekend uh, in Bethlehem on the road against the hot Bethlehem Steel team. And uh, I think hopefully we're going to be able to continue that momentum with another home game now against Charlotte. Uh, you know, this is a good time to be running uh, positive streaks together. You know, I think at this point, there's a lot of competition for those top four spots, and we're still trying to chase Cincy down at, at the number one spot. And, of course, top four in the division gets home field for the first round of the playoffs. Now, the Riverhounds have only allowed 11 goals in 22 games and only two goals in 12 home games. Uh, Bob, what is it about your defense in general and in particular at Highmark Stadium? I think... You know, I think the, the scoring at Highmark, you know, it's a little bit smaller pitch. We don't give much space as it is. Uh, obviously, we have the crowd support. Uh, you know, the turf is, is a little bit tricky to play on for visiting teams, and we take advantage of that. You know, we train on the surface, and, and we're very comfortable there. So, uh, for us, I mean, we're going to, really get on top of teams at home. It's easier to do that at home sometimes, and, and I think we tend to, to dictate the tempo in those games. So hopefully we can continue doing that through the, the rest of the season and finish high in the standings where where we secure uh, the best opportunity to host playoff games. I mean, the higher we finish, the more home playoff games we're going to have. So uh, it is important to, to stay on top of teams 
uh, and establish that that dominance here at Highmark Stadium. Nico Brett has 13 goals in 21 games, which is second best in the league so far. Has Nico gone beyond expectations, Bob? Uh, did you see this coming? If memory serves, you had coached him in the past as well. Yeah, I, I coached him last year, I, not officially. I mean, he came into Rochester, and uh, it shows how little we know sometimes because <laughs> I should have signed him maybe to help me in the playoff stretch, but he was there training well, and, you know, we were pretty settled as a team, and he had been with Portland early last season and and got released. He had an opportunity to go overseas into Europe and, you know, he came back stateside, I think, and, you know, I, he was there for a period on trials, and when it didn't work out, uh, I got a call from his agent, and, and we brought him in, and we liked him. You know, he worked hard. We could see he had some quality. Um, we were going on at a pretty good clip, and, you know, to sign him late, we didn't necessarily feel like he would would make us better and and that's where i obviously blew it because we didn't sign him but you know we said look you're definitely in the plans next year uh you know right now we're gonna sit tight with our roster you know it's hard there's every game only 18 dress and we had a pretty large roster we were healthy he asked can i stay and train you know i i think it's a good environment he showed that level of commitment which told me something more about his character and who he is. He just trained, you know, and we got him housing, but, you know, he was able to, to, to stay there not being paid and, and keep honing his craft. And at the end of the season, Pittsburgh, you know, when I moved here and Rochester folded, Nico called right away and his agent called, you know, Nico still wants to play for you. And is there room for him in Pittsburgh? And, me coming to a new job, I said, I'll tell you what, you know, I'll give him every opportunity to come in and, in training camp, but I got a, a new team, new expectations, a new owner. We, you know, I have to look at everyone and, and make the best decisions for the new club. And, you know, in some ways asked him to start over, come in and earn his job for this year. And Nico just said, okay, if that's what I have to do, he came in, had a great preseason and, Finally, I figured out that maybe he could help me probably uh, later than I should have. But uh, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's worked hard for the team. Good things has happened to him because he's brave. You know, he does the work, but he'll go, he'll go in the box. He'll, he'll get in, in the middle of the big guys. And, you know, he's just active and, you know, he's held his nerve. Uh, you know, he generally hits the target. He's scoring, you know, at a very high rate in terms of chances converted to, to chances, uh, opportunities. Uh, he's one of the higher rates in the league in terms of he doesn't waste many good looks. Um, and I'm just so happy for him because he's, he's a humble kid that, you know, he's a great teammate and, and he's a pleasure to coach. So hopefully Nico keeps growing in confidence and keeps uh, scoring big goals for us because he's been a big part of our success this year. We're talking to River Hans coach Bob Lilly. River Hans at home tomorrow night at Highmark Stadium against Charlotte. Now, uh, on the converse side, 
Your number two score has only three goals. A couple guys tied, actually. Are you worried about lack of secondary scoring beyond Nico? Does somebody else have to step up and be a bit more productive? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, you know, but I also feel like, you know, we're creating chances, you know, even even playing the better teams, you know, and I think uh, the goals are in us, you know, and it's, it's our job as coaches to <clears throat> keep putting them in positions, um, you know, fine-tuning it in practice, making sure that, you know, we won 2-1 last Saturday in, in Bethlehem and we had a really good first half and, when they tied it, we responded, created good chances in the second half, finally got our goal, but felt like we could have had three or four. So I think they're there. Uh, you know, at this point, we don't really care who emerges. We hope they all start to, to get hot in front of the net. Uh, I'm big. I'm a big believer in make sure we're doing the right things and we're getting in dangerous areas and we're providing dangerous balls and – if we have to keep working on it every day for the rest of the season, we'll keep doing that. And generally, my team's scoring output gets better as the season goes on because, you know, we've had more time together. And I, I think sometimes the defending comes easier. It comes earlier because it's, it's a mentality uh, as much as it is a, a skill, you know, and, you get hungry guys that'll all work for the team. You're, half the battle's done, you know, with defending, team defending. Scoring goals is, is definitely an art. It's a skill. Uh, Nico has, has definitely found his groove, and we feel like there's some other players that aren't far off. And, you know, as long as we keep getting those opportunities for those other players as well, you know, and we think we have – you know, we don't we don't feel like we just need to have one other scorer. If we get three or four guys scoring at a moderate rate, uh, that's just as good, you know. And we feel like we can we can score some some goals off of restarts here at the back end of the season as well. We think we can get better in that area. So for us, a lot of it is you know we understand that we're we're very good defensively. We still want to get better at the attacking end, obviously, and, and convert more of our chances. And we want to make sure in these last 12 games uh, that we continue to improve on our possession. Because I think at times we do a good job holding the ball, dictating the tempo. And, and sometimes, you know, we're, we give the ball away a little bit too cheaply, you know. So we have clear... Uh, clear direction in terms of where we want to go. We've shared that with the players, and we're working on it every day, every week. And uh, we've seen a lot of improvement over the course of the season. And you know, other teams are are growing as well. But you know, we feel we feel positive about where we're going and 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 the work we've put in. So I think at this point, it's just sticking with the plan uh, and making sure we're ready every time we step on the field on game day. And finally, Bob, your goalkeeper, Dan Lind, uh, left the last match injured. What's his status, and uh, who do you expect to have in goal tomorrow night? Michael Kirk will start for us tomorrow night, and he's been with us all year. We, when, when Kyle Morton uh, got injured earlier in the season, we, we added uh, Nate Ingham 
So we have two goalkeepers ready to go, one starting, Michael Kirk. And uh, Dan is, you know, it's tough. I mean, he's been on a good string. and uh, But Kirk has been solid here for the past few months, I think, in preseason. I had coached Lynn and Kyle Morton both in, in, in Rochester. You know, Michael Kirk was kind of the new guy, and, you know, he fell into that number three slot. But uh, he had some anxious moments early in preseason. And, but I think as the season's gone on, he's gotten comfortable. You know, when Kyle went down, he's been pushing Dan in, in, in practice for the last couple of months, and he's been aching for his chance. And, you know, if you have a strong team, you need to have depth and, you know, we do feel like he's put in a lot of work and, and has looked sharp here for a while now. I'm excited to see how he handles it, uh, you know, and we'll try and get Dan back as quick as we can. I mean, he's he's got uh, a fractured cheekbone that, you know, requires a minor procedure that, you know, they're optimistic he can be back in three, four weeks, you know, and, and – at this time, you know, you see the NBA players, you, you'll have to have a mask for a bit of time. Uh, but we're hopeful to get Dan back for uh, the last six or seven games and, 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 and get him ready as well if we need him uh, as we get to the playoff, uh, playoff time. Um, and, and that's, for me, for sure, I mean, it's a challenge this weekend with Mike, but I think we have a good defense, and I think, uh, you know, we have players that understand that we, we do it as a team, and we've had guys step up whatever they've been asked to do all year. Nothing should change from us tomorrow night. Bob, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time, and we'll see you tomorrow night at Highmark. Take care. Thanks, Mark. That's Bob Lilly. Riverhounds going great guns. Crowds are getting bigger, too. More enthusiastic as well. Uh, Tuffy Schallenberger is a, a friend of mine, the River Hans owner. I always said, Tuffy, all you need to do is get off to a good start one season, and the rest will take care of itself. Well, that's what's happened this season, and really a lot has taken care of itself. It, it is Soccer is a weird sport in the U.S., though, because it's a tough sport to have a playoff in. Soccer, anywhere. But they do, and that's how it is. And uh, certainly Bob Willie's done a lot to get the River Hans positioned properly. Let's hope for a good playoff run, although there are still 12 regular season games left. That home record on defense, two goals against the 12 games, my God, that's just that's beautiful. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do it. I said I might. I'm going to. Not just the last segment, but this segment, too. It's time to ask Mark anything. Ask Mark anything from now till the end of the show. 412-333-WXDX. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Mark? A lot of gibberish, a lot of booze, a lot of public urination. The X at 105.9. It's time now for a double shot to Ask Mark Anything. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. 412-333-WXDX. Ask Mark Anything brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house. Be sure to check out Chapino in the strip. Let's go to Jessica in Irwin. Jessica, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, I wanted to know what your favorite color was. Red. Red. Yep. Okay. What's your favorite color? 
It's pink. I'd better hang up now. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, ask Mark anything. Hi, Mark. Uh, on the Mount Rushmore of Western PA professional wrestling, who do you have on there? Uh, I would say me, Kurt Angle, Shane Douglas, and Larry Zabisco. Would you have Bruno on there? You asked me who I would put on it, right? True, true. Me, Kurt Angle, Shane Douglas, and Larry Zabisco. That's four, right? Yeah, was Zabisco from uh, Pittsburgh? Yes, went to North Allegheny High School. Real name Larry Whistler. Oh, okay. I know he was built from Pittsburgh. So me, Kurt Angle, Shane Douglas, Larry Zabisco. Oh, you know what? I'm going to replace myself, actually. I'm taking myself off. I'm going to put on Brian C. Hildebrandt. Uh, who refereed okay. in WCW is Mark Curtis. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. Know, I heard he was from Pittsburgh. Also. Yeah, great, greatest guy ever. Uh, passed away from cancer. I still miss him to this day. So Mark Curtis, Kurt Angle, Shane Douglas, and Larry Zabisco. Let's go to uh, Chris in Bergenstown. Chris. Uh, yes, sir. I was wondering. Um, you know, last week they were talking about retiring Barry Bonds' number in San Francisco. And I was wondering, is there a question on Ask Mark anything you wish you could retire? I, I always hate when people ask me, like, what's your favorite pizza? You know, what's your favorite strip bar? You know, what's the best this, that, or the other thing? Because generally it's followed by, did you ever try dot, dot, dot? Because they want to get some plug in. Yeah, and I think the, the kind of steak you like has been done to death. I mean, it's to the point where I can answer it. And if I'm if I'm able to answer and I've heard it twelve times, whoever's calling you to ask that question is obviously not that big of a fan anyway. You know you know what else I hate? I hate when people ask who my favorite sponsor is. Because how can I differentiate between people who all, you know, do me and the show a service and help me so much? Let's go to Chris of West Mifflin. Chris, ask Mark anything. Hey Mark, who's your favorite sponsor? Let's go to Corey and Moon. Corey, ask Mark anything. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, Mark, in your opinion, who is the best professional wrestler that then turned into a Hollywood movie star? How could it be anybody but The Rock? I got one that might top you, but it might be just me, you know, my humble opinion. Okay, it won't top The Rock, but go ahead. Andre the Giant. In what movie? The Princess Bride? Oh, it's just it's too classic. He was brilliant. But it was only he one was movie. If you're going to ask me what wrestler had the best turn in a movie as an actor, Andre the Giant, The Prince's Bride, might have topped anything that, that The Rock's done. That's that's my humble opinion. But you can't you can't argue The Rock's drawing power. I mean, the guy's in every friggin' movie. He's Andy in every friggin' terrible. movie and does a TV series, too, albeit a really bad one. Let's go to Steve in Finleyville. Steve. Hey, Double M, thanks for taking the call, man. Uh, I got a, got a question for you about, um, you touched on this yesterday, about uh, groups that um, lose their lead singer and replace them, and how often are they any good? I, I obviously have two. I'm sure you'll have them, too. ACDC, with, um, when Vaughn Scott passed away, they, then they come back with Brian Johnson. Brilliant, and you're right. Van Halen, obviously, with... Um, David Lee Roth leaving, and they bring Sammy Hagar on. And I just wondered if you knew any other bands that were able to pull this stuff off. 
uh, Genesis. Peter Gabriel got replaced by Phil Collins. Didn't even think of that one. And they went from a prog band to a pop band, but were more successful as a pop band. That is true. That is true. And, and Mark, real quick, if you would, please, um, what the the, the Riverhounds, you just had the coach on. It was a nice interview. Um, And they're, they're really good this year. What do you think, because you keep up on soccer, what do you think their chances are of winning this league? And um, thank you for the call. You know, you know what? I can't predict who's going to win a soccer playoff unless it's the Champions League. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? It's not like I scout these USL teams. I think the Riverhounds, with their defensive record in the playoffs, will have as good a chance as any team, particularly if they finish high in the standings and get home field advantage in the playoffs. Because I mean, their their record at home: two goals against in twelve home games. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Uh, let's go to Jeff in the car. Jeff, Mark, I was wondering what your what was your most difficult subject in college? That's a good question. Uh, when you say difficult, the one that you had to work the hardest at. Well, the one that didn't I, come uh, easy for the super genius. Well, here, here's where Duquesne screwed me. <laughs> okay, I took I took two years of French in, in 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 high school, right? All right. So they wouldn't let me start at French like in one or two. I had to go to three. <laughs> okay, so I took Spanish one, and I was terrible in Spanish one because I kept getting mixed up with French. Seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. So the next year I went back to French one. I conned him into it, and even that wasn't a box of chocolates. I, I had a lot of problem with religion, too. It, Duquesne at the time, and I don't know if it's still the case, you had to take nine credits of religion, three courses to get a liberal arts degree. So I had to take three religion classes, and uh, those weren't easy for me. I mean, not that you know I'm a non-believer, although I'm definitely a skeptic, but those were, those were tough. You know who one of my professors were? No idea. Donald Worrell. Are you serious? Yeah, and he did a better job explaining things then than he, than he is right now. Let's go to uh, Mike in New Kensington. Mike, ask Mark anything. Cool. My question is, is Tom Brady the oldest quarterback that ever played? George Blanda was a quarterback. He was 48 when he retired. Is a quarterback. Uh, yeah, although the thing is, I'm not sure when the last time he played quarterback was because he was also a kicker. Let's see he what I got kicker, a stats here. He? Yeah, Wasn't I could. As a matter of fact, he was yes. So the last yeah. time he played quarterback was 1975, which was when he was 48. Although he only threw three passes then. Let's go to Joe in Ocean City. Joe, ask Mark anything. Yo, Mark. Serious question: What's the uh, what's the over and under on how many pounds of gum you think Danny Smith chews in a season? Who's Danny Smith? Steelers special teams. Oh. Uh, I don't want to make a celebrity out of that oh, guy. Is that, I mean, I know he's like this loudmouth guy. Everything's is a big deal. When their special teams are good, let me know. They're not very good. Maybe they are. Who cares? Okay, more ask Mark anything after this. 412-333-WXDX. In terms of bands, replacing their lead singers, I almost forgot. Black Sabbath. Ozzy to Dio, then to Ian Gillen, to Glenn Hughes, to 
Ray Gillen to Tony Martin to Rob Halford to back to Ozzy, back to Dio, back to Ozzy. But the Ozzy Dio stuff was was pretty good. Ask Mark anything, 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He's a prissy, sissy, Nancy boy. No matter who's a goalie, when we have the right defense playing the right way. You're right, they should play without a goalie. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. One more segment of Ask Mark Anything brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. Let's go to Alex in the car. Alex, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Uh, given all that's gone down with Antonio Brown and Ed Bouchette, it just got me thinking, what's, as, a, as a member of the media, what's the single worst interaction you've had with a professional athlete uh, in Pittsburgh? So you're basically asking me what was my most contentious interview. Essentially, yes. We had Willie Gay on the show one time, and he just refused to answer any questions. He, he Listen to what he did, this, this idiot. He asked to come on the show. His, his agent called us to come on the show because he was promoting some charity event. When he came on, he told us the charity event had been canceled and basically refused to answer any questions. That, that's got to be right up there. Do you, are you familiar with Queensryche? With whom? Queensryche, the rock group. Uh, no, I'm not. We had their singer Jeff Tate on the show, and he was an ass bag. There you go, Willie Gay and Jeff Tate. I bet you never thought you'd get that diverse of an answer. Let's go with Ricardo in the meat room. Ricardo, ask Mark anything. Double M, big fan. Hey, I uh, got a question. How is your Frontier Airlines experience with the big seat in the front and all that? Was it a good No, no, experience? no, that's not Frontier. That was Spirit Airlines has the big front seat. Excuse me, Spirit. How was it to Vegas? Good time? Good, uh, good experience? Well, the, the first flight ran 90 minutes late. Uh, the flight home was on time, and the big front seat was brilliant. Uh, usually, to fly to Vegas first class, which is the equivalent space-wise, the big front seat, right? Uh, yeah, that's probably about fifteen hundred. I bet. It, no, it's about it's about a thousand, thousand eleven hundred okay. round trip, and you have to make a stop. There's a there's a you know you change planes. Whereas uh, the big front seat on Spirit Airlines was nonstop to Vegas round trip, five hundred bucks. You can't be nonstop on a four hour flight. No, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I would do it again and am doing it again in a couple weeks. Let's go to a Frank in Peters Township. Frank, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, first of all, that your burger it, uh, it is freaking amazing. Thank you. Well, going, thanks thanks going, to uh, Chapino. Going back, going back again tonight and getting another one. There you go. But my question to you is, um, if you could go back 40 years and give yourself as a young kid, advice. What one piece of advice would you give yourself? Well, 40 years ago, I was was 17. Okay? 40 years ago, I was 17. I just graduated high school. I was a young graduate. I was working as a a stringer at the Post-Gazette, and I figured that would be my job for life. Okay. My advice would be, get out of the Post-Gazette. Okay. I I never got the break there I should have, ever. And you know why? Seriously? What's up? They didn't want a fat person to represent them covering stuff. That's horrible. Well, Bruce Kide told me that one time, and Bruce Kide and I went on to be uh, friends after that. Yeah. You know, when I became a talk host? But when I was a young guy trying to get a full-time job at the Post-Gazette, he said, I don't think you would represent us properly. 
And I, because of that, weight issues. Yeah, and I said to him point blank, do you have a mirror? Because <laughs> Bruce looked like hell, but, you know, it just he was the boss. <laughs> well... That's horrible. The, only, re- the that. only reason they... G- I'll tell this story some other time. Thank you for the call. The only reason the Post-Gazette gave me a full-time job in the first place, I broke a story that was so hot that they wanted to get under a staff writer's byline. I- I'll give you a brief, you know, 101. A local American Legion baseball team went away to a tournament. It was double elimination. They lost in two games. When they came back, their manager called in a fabricated account that said they won the tournament. And I found out about it because one of the kids on my, the team was one of my neighbors. And I said, congratulations on winning the tournament. He said, what the frig are you talking about? But, but no, that would be the advice I would give to my young self. Don't trust the Post-Gazette. If I'd, left the po- if I'd gone into radio 10 years earlier, I'd be Stephen A. Smith. Well, I'd be the white. Well, I guess that's not possible at so many levels. But you know what I mean? I would be a top national radio guy if I had gotten involved when I was 26 instead of 36. But that's okay. I am the king of Pittsburgh, and you're not. Okay, Monday. We'll talk about Liverpool and Crystal Palace as it happens. Kickoff at 3 o'clock and some other stuff too, I guess. 105.9 The X.